0: How many of
1: you love the outdoors? Did you raise your hand? How many of you wish you were outdoors right now? Okay. Yeah, actually, Wendy and I were talking about if we have, you know, less people, maybe we could meet out under that tree right now, but anyway, we'll figure it out. So I want you to picture something in your mind. I want you to picture a field with trees, and you're really good. I can hear the birds already singing. So I want you to picture a, a field, the birds are singing, it's a beautiful spring day, and, uh, and you're walking out in a field, minding your own business, spending a little time just enjoying God's creation and nature. Okay, are you picturing that? Okay. Now, picture yourself coming upon a big group of people out in the middle of that field, and they're listening to somebody speaking. And this guy is speaking in a way that you can tell there's kindness, there's compassion, but there's also this intensity and this, this uh, authority that you haven't heard anybody speak with before. And he's talking about the things of God. He's challenging everything you think about God. And he's challenging the things that you've been taught growing up about the religious system and about sacrifices, about all the stuff that you have to do. And he's challenging you to think more about a relationship with God than about a relationship with a religious system. Can you see it? Now, 2,000 years ago, when people heard the Sermon on the Mount, guess what? They weren't in church. They were not listening to a sermon from a pastor in a nice, comfortable, blue pew. They were listening to Jesus, the Son of God, speaking in a field that he created. And they were listening to birds in the background that were his idea, and they were watching flowers open up. And if they're anything like me, they probably had a little flower in their hand that they were hanging out with while they're listening, right? And so there's, it's different for us, because now we know it. I've I've been there, I've done that, I've studied this thing. Just imagine what it would be like to hear the words of Christ for the very first time. And I want to tell you some of the things that he said. And just imagine what it would, would have been like to have your world turned upside down by some of these words. He said, fortunate are those who mourn. Lucky are those who are persecuted for their righteousness. I mean wouldn't you have said, like, is he kidding? Right? And then he went on. You know that adultery and murder are sins, but I tell you that if you entertain those ideas in your heart, it's the same thing as committing them. And if your hand causes you to sin, why don't you just cut it right off? And they must have been like, did did he say say cut it off? Yeah, he said, okay, shh, we're going to get in trouble. If someone hits you, offer them the other cheek. If someone takes you to court to take away your shirt off your back, give them your jacket as well. Love those who hate you. Pray for those who mistreat you and are nasty and belittle you to your face. Remember, you can't serve God and your money. Don't worry about anything. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. Only the people who don't know God worry about those things. Don't judge people because that is God's job and you are not him. Now just think about how those things landed. Some people have said that the Sermon on the Mount is the most well-known of Jesus' teachings and the least understood and for sure the least followed. I think it's probably true. So I want to challenge you And myself this week to open up Matthew 5 through 7 and read the whole darn thing. It'll take you about 15 minutes. And that is how the people heard it. They heard it all in one sitting, right? And and so they had to take this whole thing in in its context. And did you know that context is kind of important? I want to show you a little graphic of what I mean. So, no chuckling. I, en- I enjoyed this when I saw this. But context really matters because um, when we read scripture, sometimes we grab verses that we really like and we avoid the ones we don't like and we take them out of context and we say, well, this was what it means to me. This is for sure what it means because that works for me. Now, ask, seek, knock, I think is a great example. I have heard so many people talk about ask, seek, knock, without understanding the whole context. This is right in the Sermon on the Mount, two-thirds of the way through, and without, without understanding that context, we could use Ask, Seek, Knock as, hey, I can get whatever I want. It's like the lottery, man. Like, I, I have all power. Ask, Seek, Knock, in its context, is what we need to live out the Sermon on the Mount. I can't do it on my own strength. You can't do it on your strength. You don't have a prayer. The things that Jesus said were downright crazy. Mm -hmm. And they were right. And they were holy. And they're what we're created to live like. And without his spirit and without me asking him, would you please help me do this? And Without me seeking his kingdom rather than my own? And without me continuing to knock and say, Lord, I need you? It's impossible. It can't happen. Now, it means even more than that, but that's the beginning place. That's the only way to live out the things that he said about asking and seeking and knocking. So let's read, and I want to have us all read it together. So go ahead and stand. And sometimes when we stand and we read scripture, I read it for you because it's long. And it just sounds like, whoa, 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 if we're all reading it together. But this one's nice and short so we can read it all together. So one, two, three. Keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Amen? Amen. You can grab a seat. Now, two things I want you to notice. One is this. Your version might say, ask, and you will receive. The, real, the, the Greek says asking, seeking, knocking. It's repeated action. So sometimes I think we get stuck in this, in this funny pattern where we say, well, I already prayed about that. Well, how many times did you pray about that? How involved were you in praying about that? How much did you believe that something would actually happen? I think that we, you know, as Americans, we have a checklist. And we're like, okay, get my coffee, drop the kids off, pray about that thing, I'm done. But I don't don't think that prayer is a checklist. I don't think that seeking the Lord on something that's really important is equated with stopping at Starbucks. There's something different happening here where the Lord is challenging them to keep on asking. Here's the other thing it said. Uh, How many people will be answered? Did you notice the word that it said in there? Everyone. Everyone who asks what? Why why did he say that? In case you think this won't apply to you, in case you think I'm too bad, in case you think, well, my prayers aren't heard. Well, I tried that, but nothing happened. But you know, well, you don't know who I am. Well, I don't, I don't know if I really believe this. Well, I, things don't really happen in my life like they happen in other people's lives. Jesus said, everyone. We'll talk a little bit more about everyone in a minute, but I think everyone means everyone right? Now, I love this word ask, and, and I, I believe that the Lord, and one of the themes in the, in, the, um, in the Sermon on the Mount is praying simply. The Lord loves simple, not flowery, not hypocritical, not religious prayers, if I were to say it that way. One of my favorite prayers that anyone prays, and myself included, is this, help. It's a great prayer. How about this one? Jesus, That's a great prayer. And you put the two together, you have a really, really powerful prayer. Very focused, very specific. He knows what you're saying, right? And I didn't have to, like, pull out my book of prayers to pray it. But sometimes we just complicate the whole asking thing and make it kind of a religious activity rather than reaching out to someone that we have a relationship with, our Father, and saying, I really need help. I really need help. Let's talk about asking for just a minute. So there are two things that are um, that part of the posture of asking. One is this, I need help. What is that? Humility, right? So I'm not going to ask unless I actually need help. The other thing is this, it's faith. Believing that he actually has the power to help me is, is that, you know, I believe that answers may be even possible. So humility and faith come together when we ask. I think that's a really important foundation for this. Now let me, let me throw out three ways that I think we mess up when we ask and that I mess up when I ask. Here's the first one. Effective asking always happens in relationship. Not because I have a formula, not because I have a good idea, not because I'm nervous or scared or someone told me to pray about it. Happens in relationship. Let me, sh- let me tell you what I mean. If I go over to you, and I say, I need 1000 $1,000. Can you help me? What would you say? (laughs) (laughs) Because you don't have it, or because you don't want to help? Because I don't have it. I would love to help you. If If you had, if I had it, it would be yours. Right? Because we know each other, right? Okay. So what if I go to somebody out on the street that's walking their dog, and I'm like, Hey, can I have a thousand dollars? Do you know what they're going to do? They're probably going to run. Because there's no connection, there's no context for what I'm asking. Does that make sense? So if you know the Lord and the Lord knows you, it puts prayer in a whole different box. Here's a great story that I heard. Abraham Lincoln, uh, when he was president, was in the White House, and he was having meetings all the time. And there there were two guys that wanted to go see him because their land had been stolen from their family. Their kids were starving. They couldn't farm. They were desperate. They're like, the president is the only one that can fix this this problem. So they're waiting to see him. They can't see him. They're out in the lobby, uh, out in the the hallway, I guess it was, and they're actually crying while they're talking to each other about, you know, um, hopeless, hopeless situation. So this little boy walks by, and he goes, you know, what's wrong, gentlemen? And so they share with him, you know, what happened and the situation, how sad it is, and we have kids like you, and we can't help them. And so he goes hey, come with me for just a minute. So we let him down the hallway, let him down another hallway, let him down another hallway. They open up a door. They go in. Guess who they're with? Abraham Lincoln. It's his son. So because of his son, guess what happened? They got an audience with the president. Do you see where this is going? Because of God's son, I can bring my problems where I'm stuck, where I'm frustrated, where I cannot get a solution. And Jesus goes, oh, I know you. Come here. Come with me. Let's go to my Father. I'll go with you. You can't go into his presence. You're going to get arrested, or worse. You can't go into his presence without Jesus. It's not even possible. Those guys had no chance unless this magic thing happened in the hallway at the White House. I love that story. So, John 15, 7, Jesus says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, look what it says, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. Remaining is is the picture, it's the same word as the vine and branches. It's connection, relationship, that energy and nutrients are flowing into us from him. Here's the second thing. Effective asking must be according to his will. So, I've had tons of conversations what it usually happens with college students about how do you know God's will, right? Here's one way, you ask him, right? Here's another way, you study his word and you get to know him through his word and you will know a whole bunch of things about his will And, and I can't remember who said it but somebody said, if God already told you to do it, do it. If he told you not to do it, don't. And for the other stuff he gave you is Holy Spirit and your brain. I think that's helpful because usually when somebody comes to me with, hey, how do I know God's will in this area? They actually already know. They just don't want to do it. They want to figure out, you know, how can I weasel my way out of this and get my way and not his way? Interesting. Look at 1 John 5. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So interesting, conversely, if I'm asking something not according to his will, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. And look at 15. If we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of him. Hmm. Let's look at number three. Effective asking has the right motives. So it's hard to have the right motives and to be a human being. I'm a human being. My motives are often mixed. The Lord created human beings. He knows that this is a struggle for us. This is a growth area for you, even if you have known the Lord for your whole life. It's hard to have pure motives. But James says you don't have because you don't ask God. When you ask, your motives are messed up. Interesting at the end, too, it says, so that you can spend what you get on you. So a lot of times our prayers are about us. God, would you fix this? my back hurts, my feet hurt, my nose hurts, my you know, I'm frustrated about this in my own life and interesting that some of the stuff that we pray about just has to do with us. And and I'm I'm learning that I need to turn my attention over here and maybe if I'm praying for Jeremy and Christina, you know what's happening? Maybe they're praying for me. <coughs> How cool is that? Maybe they're praying for my back and I'm praying for his work schedule and I'm praying for, you know, her with her you know, parenting two little girls and how that's going. It, interesting. In the body, we cover each other. We support each other. We pray for each other. And here's the question. Am I praying about my kingdom or his? Because the whole Sermon on the Mount is his kingdom. His kingdom come. His will be done. Not my kingdom come. My, w- my will happen on earth. That would be a mess. The kingdom of Kirk, DeWitt, on, the, on planet earth? So limited so tiny. But the kingdom of Jesus Christ on planet Earth, man, that is a whole different ballgame. But I think sometimes we get bratty, and I think we get entitled, and we kind of act like the king. Uh, Did you ever see this movie, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory? Do you remember her name? Veruca Salt, right? So there was a band in the 90s named after her too. But interesting, she was probably the I mean, she did a great job portraying this part. She was so nasty, you wanted her to get nailed, right? You wanted bad stuff to happen to this kid. But, but as how many of you are parents? Okay, how many of you ever had a kid ask you for the same thing a few times? <laughs> Do you enjoy that? No. Especially when it's something selfish and they're like, I need, right? And, and so I need this, I need you to give me this, I need this now, I, w- I want, I want, I w- it's like you just start tuning it out. You're like, whatever, kid, like, go away from me. But how would the conversation change if your son or your daughter came to me and said, my friend is in trouble, mm-hmm. and I'm not big enough to help them, but you are. Would you come and help me? You can't, you, you I mean, you could say no to that, but who would? I mean, I'd be like, I will drop whatever I'm doing. I'm going with you, daughter, to go help your friend. Let's go do that. Why don't we think about that with prayer? Because sometimes our prayer is like, God, but you need to, (laughs) really? And how wonderful if I can come to the Lord and say, Lord, my friend is in trouble, and I am not big enough. I can't do this, but you can. I know that you can. I know you love them. I know that you're powerful. I know that you've been faithful. Would you please come with me? And he's going to say yes. You just you know he's going to say yes because he's a good father. We'll talk more about that next week. I want to say one thing about Father's Day. Next week is Father's Day. Um, that's a great day for some of you. That's a tough day for some of you. Maybe you've lost your dad. Maybe you're estranged from your dad. Um, maybe you are a dad and it's you know great or not. There, there's a lot of dynamics there. Next week, we're going to try to understand how God gives good gifts and what it looks like in our lives. And and I'm, I believe that God will bring some healing into some of our lives in our view of dad. So if that's you, come on back. And if you can think of somebody in your life that needs to be here on Father's Day, bring them along. And we're actually going <laughs> to give a gift to all the dads in the place, and they will actually like it. So... Sometimes you get gifts in church, and you're like, really? But they will actually like it. So anyway, did I, did I pique your interest? Okay. So Martin Luther said this, and I think this is a beautiful thing for us all to remember. I mean, I, I kind of want to put this on my rearview mirror in my car, so I see it all the time. But prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance. It's laying hold of his willingness. If he's a good father then it's I don't need to convince him to do the right thing. Do you understand where I'm going with this? I need to trust that he knows what's right and that he loves me and that he loves my friends and the people in my life and my family, and he loves them more than I do. And so when I come to him in prayer, I'm trusting him and I'm asking him to act on their behalf in his love and in his power, knowing that he wants to already. He's waiting for us to ask. Really, we'll talk about that when we get to knocking. So hopefully, as we've been talking, some things are popping in your mind. What do you need right now? Not what do you want. What do you need? What are you going to ask the Lord for before the day is over? Is there something happening in somebody in your life and you're like, Lord, I can't handle that. It's too big for me how will you bring that need to him? How will you ask? Will you use help? Help Jesus? Will you be more specific? Start thinking about what that thing is, and in in a few minutes, we're going to write some of those down. We talked about asking. Let's talk about seeking next. He who seeks what? How many of you like finding something that was lost? Right? So... Truth be told, in my house, I'm the only one who can find something. (laughs) So I live with three people who lose stuff and have no idea. They they say, someone stole my blank. And then I'm thinking about the odds of someone coming into our house (laughs) to steal that item. Like someone came into our house and stole your shaver? (laughs) Probably not. So... So then they say, well, I looked everywhere it could be. And do you know what my answer is? Some of you are going to take this home and use it. Did you search everywhere it could not be yet? My kids hate that. And they're like, dad. So I start looking where it could not be, and I always find it. I think there's only been maybe one or two things in the last two years I haven't been able to find. Because, right, if you seek, you know what happens? You find, right? Right? And this is a spiritual truth, too. If we are focused on seeking him, seeking what he wants, it happens. It, it's a beautiful thing. Jesus said, seek first his kingdom. All the other stuff will be, so it's not just, you're not just going to get the one thing. He's going to also make up all your lack. That's interesting, right? And seeking is not just words. It's a, it's a pursuit. It's, a, a focus. it's like going on a journey to see something happen. So, how many of you know my wife, Stacy? So, she and Bella and my father-in-law are in San Diego. They are, she's, Bella's playing softball right now, um, and they're doing a tournament. So, oh boy, I don't know about this Sunday sports thing. (laughs) Anyway, so, so they'll be back uh, this afternoon. But something that you may not know about my wife, I don't know if anyone in here has hiked with my wife before. So, she is 100 yards ahead of you. My wife is a serious hiker. And so I, I, I love hiking, I'm a good hiker, but I'm more like a 4 by 4 so I can go over anything and I maintain the same speed. Okay, My wife is more like a Ferrari. So she, if she has a goal in mind and she's hiking, she's like, right? And she's looking back like, really? You guys can't keep up with me? I mean, seriously? I feel like this is a picture to me of, of how I want to seek the Lord. I want to seek the Lord more like with that kind of a focus and that kind of a direction, that kind of a passion that my wife has about getting to the destination. So um, so are you see, here, here's a question about seeking. Are you seeking God? Okay, you, if I were to say yeah, you would all say, "Oh yeah." Or are you okay on your own? That's kind of a trick question. Well, maybe I'm sort of okay, and I sort of need him. So here's where I'm going with that. If you're okay without him, don't ask him for stuff. Because these things travel together. If I need him, then I ask him for things, and he answers. But if I'm okay on my own, why am I involving him at all? There's something about this step of faith towards him that I really need his help, that I'm not relying on myself. I've I've taken a a risk. I've taken a step of faith towards him and saying, I really need you. And that's a relational step. It's not just a transaction. It's it's going closer and closer to him. It's seeking more and more of him. And that prayer happens when we're seeking him, not just just the item, not the thing that I need to check off, but I'm seeking God because he's God. Hmm. So, if we ask, if we, if we seek him and ask him, something else happens. And along, along the journey, our hearts start to change. So I don't know if you've noticed this, but sometimes your prayers don't get answered the way you wanted or in the timing that you wanted. Have you ever had that experience, anybody? Maybe all the time? So sometimes I wish that God was a little bit more like this, right? Where I'm like, I really have this concern this worry, this idea, this need, and then God goes, ding, and there's like this little cute sound, ping, and suddenly it happens in my life because the magic wand was waved. My fairly fairy godfather, I guess, knocked, knocked it out of the park. He exceeded my expectations again. But it's not like that with him, and that's on purpose because that would make us bratty and entitled and horrible, and it would also... Mess up our relationship with him, where we're not trusting his goodness, we're just trusting his gift, his gifting, if I were to say it that way, so something happens when he doesn't answer on time or in my way. It causes me to converse with him. it doesn't draw it doesn't push me away. it makes me go, Wait god what are you what are you up to? And then he says, I'm glad you asked. Well, you know, and then we continue in this journey with him and he develops our character through it. He develops our character by saying yes. He develops our character more by saying wait. Isn't that horrible? <laughs> but it's true. He, he always answers those he loves. Those are in a relationship with him. He always answers them, and often not the way we want because he's up to something much bigger. And I've seen him answer prayers in my life that were beautiful and incredible and not at all the way I saw them coming. They were better than what I saw coming. Two quick examples. One is I had given up on relationships and dating, and I was like, <laughs> maybe I'm supposed to become a priest, not a pastor. Maybe I'm just done, right? I was like, like mid-20s, and I'm like, <clears throat> whatever, right? No offense, ladies, but it's hard, Right? So then, suddenly, God, like, literally drops Stacy in my life, and I'm like, oh, that would work. (laughs) So another example, we're trying to adopt um, a child. So we literally went, like, five years trying to adopt a child, and we're, like, we're starting to feel like the plague, like... I'm a pastor, my wife's a teacher. we have some cute little boys. we want to adopt a, a child, we have a house, we have a dog like aren't we kind of like an American family, and then no one wants us like what's going on and And I felt like all my conversations with the Lord were you know frustrated and yet trusting somehow. I was like, God, what are you doing? why are you frust- Why are you making it so hard and 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 now I understand what he was doing. she wasn't born yet I'm trying to push this thing forward and i'm like. I got my plan. I'm like, well, Lord, you know, you're messing up. And he's like, you just wait, buddy. And Bella came in our lives, and not in the timing that we wanted, but she's amazing. Yeah. I mean, what a great kid. And, and I have this phenomenal relationship with this little girl who has grown up to know the Lord and grown up to love all of, all of you guys, and that would never have happened if I got my way. Interesting, right? Okay. So let's talk about knocking and then we're going to put this into practice. Knocking is taking action, right? Now here's a question. If you go to somebody's house, how many times do you knock? How many individual knocks? Okay. Some of you are a little OCD, so you're a little bit more like, right? So you're going to, have you ever had those people in your life? Maybe you are that person that you, you can't stop knocking but uh, Or when, when you're doing the crosswalk, you know, and you just keep pushing it until it turns green. <laughs> so when you go to somebody's house, generally you don't go, knock, and then wait. That's not, that will not work. And yet somehow we think that that's going to work with our praying and our relationship with the Lord. That Like, well, I'd, I already did it. I already said, hey, Lord. That's just kind of strange, right? And so we have this idea of repeated... Knocking of continuing to go. Some of you have been praying for something for 20 years. I want to tell you today that it might take 23, might take 30, might be next week. I honestly, as I was studying this, as I was praying, and I was sitting out in the backyard, uh, I really felt like there are a couple of you here that need to hear the Lord say to you do not give up. The enemy would love for you to give up. Your human nature would say, I have done it. I've done my part. I am finished praying for that person to come to know the Lord, praying for that relationship to be healed, praying for this part of my life to be fixed. I'm tired. I'm finished. And the Lord would say, nuh-uh. Keep asking. Keep seeking me. Keep knocking. You will have your answer. Can anyone say amen? Okay. Okay. So here is an example of that from the teaching of Jesus. So Jesus taught a parable about a persistent widow. So the lady comes to the judge, and Jesus says the judge is a jerk. He doesn't care about God. He doesn't care about people. But the lady says, I need justice. This person has wronged me, and I need you to help. Okay? So the guy says, go away. I don't need you. Now notice what comes next. Look at this next picture. She won't leave him alone. So in the story... Jesus says the lady keeps coming and coming and coming to him and bothering him, and the the word in the original language is like a beating on your chest. So it's it's like she's like, right? And that's going to get annoying after a little while if someone keeps hitting you. And so finally he goes, fine. I will help you have justice against your adversary. And then Jesus says, now if an unjust judge Who doesn't care will do that. How much more will your father in heaven, who's crazy about you, meet your needs, right? Here's another example from scripture, Acts chapter 12. Peter gets put in prison, okay? And if you're a Bible scholar, I want to throw something at you just for fun. James got put into prison and got killed. We don't have a story about his friends praying. Peter got thrown in prison And we have a story about his friends praying he got released. You can take that wherever you want and figure it out. Now, Peter gets arrested, gets thrown in prison, and it says the church prayed for him without ceasing. So they're praying all night long for Peter to be released. Okay, An angel shows up in the middle of the night, unlocks him, leads him out of the gate, and then he comes out. He's not even sure if it's a dream, it says in the story. He comes outside the gate, outside that gate, outside that gate. He's free out in the city in the middle of the night, and the angel leaves him, and he kind of wakes up, and he's like, what? Prison break. Like, I look, I'm free. So he, so he goes, well, where am I going to go? I'm going to go to my friend's house. So he goes to his friend's house. He knocks on the door. And you know what they do? They don't answer because they're praying. It's funny. And then finally, this girl Rhoda comes to the door. It's funny that her name is in here because she's kind of, I guess, they put her name in there because it's, I guess, they teased her or something about she's the one who, you know, she she knocks, she she comes to the door when he's knocking and and looks out and goes, It's Peter. But she didn't answer the door. So she goes, she goes back to the prayer meeting and they keep praying, and they're like, Well, who was it? It's Peter, and they just keep praying. And then finally, he keeps knocking, right? We talk about keeping knocking, and they're like So they went and let him in and he joined the prayer meeting for himself, right? So here's the, here's the interesting part of that that we can learn. They didn't pray you know, a little bit, hoping something good would happen, and then they all went home and slept well. They prayed all night. They prayed until the answer came. They kept knocking. They kept knocking. 3 o'clock in the morning, 4 o'clock in the morning, 5 o'clock in the morning, and they didn't even have a sense from the Lord of like, okay, you can stop praying now. They kept going. They prayed all the way through the answer. And then the answer is staring them in the face, and they're like, oh, well, let's change our prayer to, wow, like, thank you, Lord, he's here, you saved him. So they watched James die a few months earlier. They thought that was going to be Peter. So they got on their knees, and they sought the Lord, and they said, please, not Peter. Like, we've already lost one, let's not lose him. And the Lord, in his grace, answered their prayer, brought him right in the middle of that house. But my question for me and for us is, do we pray through, or do we pray to, or do we even get there? And the Lord would say, I want you to keep seeking, I want you to keep pressing, I want you to keep asking, I want you to keep, keep coming to me with, with your needs, and I will answer them. Hmm. There's a cool progression that happens in Ask, Seek, Knock. Asking is like, Lord, I need your help. Seeking, to me, is like now I'm on a path towards him. And then knocking is I'm at his very door saying, here I I made it here, Lord, and I really need you to come through. And you know what you find when you knock on his door? He's already there waiting for you. In fact, Scripture says, behold, I'm standing at the door knocking. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him. Mm-hmm. Jesus wants to be in our lives. He wants to be present with us. He wants to eat with us. He wants to live with us. He wants to dwell in us. So when we knock, man, is he ready. He's, he's He is right right now, he's waiting at the door for you to say, I need your help. And he goes, I know. But I really need your help. I know. And he wants to just change things. Now, again, in his timing, his way, but man, he wants to act in your life. Do you believe that? Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, some of you, maybe you're in here and we've talked about asking and seeking and knocking and how much this is tied to relationship. And I don't want to have anybody raise your hand or anything, but there may be some people in here and you feel like, man, my prayers don't get answered. Uh, it's It's like there's this glass ceiling I shoot up a prayer, I feel like it came back faster than it went up. It's like, this is getting frustrating. God hasn't done a a thing in my life, and I've asked him to, and I've asked over and over, and I'm just tired of this. So I want to go back to the relationship question. Maybe he brought you here because he wants to say, it's not about praying about stuff, it's about praying to me, the Lord speaking. He wants you to know him, and he wants to know you. He wants the relationship to be connected. It's kind of like your phone doesn't work if the cell tower's down, right? He wants the connection to be clear between you and him. Do you remember our Abraham Lincoln story? So the only way that you have access to the Father's power and love and glory and effectiveness in your life and prayer answering, you know, all of that, through Jesus. There ain't ain't another way. So you're out in the hallway saying you're frustrated, like, Lord, I I don't, I'm, I need justice, I need help, I need, and you need his son to lead you into his office. Say, come on in. I want to be with you. So if that's you, I just want to pray with you for a minute, and then we'll, then we'll, uh, then we'll do some asking. Lord, I ask for those in this room that may not know you yet or have been disconnected from you, that you would come near. And if that's you right now, just just admit that you don't even belong in God's presence because of sin and wrong and selfishness and human nature. And as best you understand, just, just admit you need Jesus. You need a Savior. You need somebody to bring you into God's presence through His perfection, through his sinlessness, and through a cross, and through a resurrection, we get to die, and live forever. And ask him to be the one in charge of your life, that you'd live for his kingdom and not your own, that you would want his will and not your own, that you would want to ask the things of him that <laughs> matter, forever, that not not just matter for 2018, but matter forever in relationships and in our city and in your own life. And just say, Lord, I need you, and I can't do this on my own, and I ask that you would empower me and live in me and make me different through your Holy Spirit so that my prayers could be answered and so that I could live with you and live through you. Amen? And I want to challenge you, if you prayed that prayer, two things. One is, join us on this journey to follow Jesus. You can't do it alone. In fact, here's a pattern that I've noticed. People who pray that prayer, who say, yes, I'm going to do this Jesus thing, your next week may be horrible. (laughs) Coming to to Jesus is not like, remember that little magic wand? Coming to Jesus doesn't go, bing! You know, now you, you just walk on, you know, spiritual shoes and you won't have any problems. In fact, it often goes the other way where the enemy will try to keep you away from other Christians. And you'll get frustrated, and you'll get down, and we need each other. So the first challenge is, if you're following Jesus, come do it with us, or find somebody else, but we're nicer. <laughs> and then the other, thing, the other thing is this, if you're getting things right with him, go talk to somebody at the Connect table out there. They have a Bible they'd like to give you, help you get started, and they're, they're free and they're nice. And they will, they will just, if you are spending time with others and you understand what we're talking about with prayer and that you're digging into God's word and they'll help you to know where to read, it's going to work. But if you try to do this on your own with just good intentions, you're going to get smoked. I'm just telling you. Okay, now let's do some asking. Some of you have been waiting for this the whole time. So we're not a church that just talks about stuff and then goes out to lunch. We're a church that talks about stuff and then we try to take action or some kind of application and then we go to lunch. <laughs> okay? So I want to have you all take out the prayer card that is in your bulletin and your phone. Do You see the prayer card and there's a pen somewhere nearby or you can borrow one from somebody. So... You speak, who are, did you know that you in this room speak two different languages? Okay? I don't know if you're aware of this. Some of you speak pen. Some of you speak text. Yeah. <laughs> did you know that? It's actually true. Okay? So some of you, I want to have you write down, and I put it, I, let's put it up on, the, up on the screen. Who do you need to pray for? What, what's, the, what's the thing that is on your heart as we've been talking, and that you may think this is too big, this is too crazy, this may be the same thing you've been praying for 31 years. Write it down on the prayer card, and in a minute, when the band is playing, you're going to bring those up here, and you're going to put it in the basket on either side. Now, those are it's, that's if your language is pen. Okay, If your language is digital and text, you can text a prayer to prayer at kaneochurch.com, and we will get it, okay? You may have to turn off iMessage, but it, we will get it, okay? So two languages. You can pray however you would like to. So that's your first assignment. Here's your second assignment. Remind yourself to pray for this thing. Don't just think that once I put it in this basket, whew, now I'm done. Oh, good! I get to walk out of here and never pray about that thing again. That's not how, right? That's not what we've been talking about for the last half hour. So, what do you need to pray for, or who? How are you going to pray about that? Does it mean that you um, you wake up every morning and you start your day with praying for that thing? Does that mean a sticky note in your bathroom? And and how often are you going to pray for this thing? What what is that going to look like? What discipline can you put around this ask? And I would encourage you to simplify the ask because sometimes in our minds we're like, well, I want my son to have the right job, the right spouse, the relationship with the Lord. I want them to live near me. I want oh my gosh, really? Just say my son, right? (laughs) Right? You can get specific with the Lord later as he leads, but just simplify this ask and just say, Lord, I want you to work in this area of my life. And here's how often I'm going to pray about that. And, and here's how I'm going to be praying, okay? So um, maybe we can put on the birds again, and, and the band is going to come up in just a minute, but write down what's that thing, and you can text it or write it, and we will offer these things up to the Lord. I want to encourage you over this next few minutes and over this next week, the thing that you prayed about, the thing that you trusted the Lord with, tell somebody. Invite somebody else to join you in praying about that. because It's really important for some of you to hear that right now. You don't need to carry that thing alone. Obviously, you have the Lord helping you, but, but unless it's something that you just feel like I can't, you know, if it's something that you just can't express to somebody, just say, hey, I need you to join me in praying or use code. But And even before you leave, if there's somebody outside that you know, that you trust, just, hey, would you join me in praying about this thing this week? Because there's great power as we support each other and ask for the Lord to come help our friends in need. Amen? How about a benediction? May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be so gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen, everybody. God bless you.